Hello and welcome back to season two of Fertility Talks, the Therapy Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Von Medding, and I'm so excited to be back hosting our second season of this podcast. Each week, I'll be sitting down with a different guest and chatting all things fertility. As always, our hope is that through this series, through honest conversation and information, we can strip away some of the stigma that sometimes comes hand in hand with infertility and fertility treatment in Ireland. This week, I'm really excited to welcome someone into the studio who some of you rarely see at Therapy Fertility, <laughs> but who is certainly a large part of the success of our lab and our embryology team. It is our embryology lab manager, Carol Osher. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you being really. here. I'm so excited to finally get you into the studio. <laughs> you did well. <laughs> I know you don't usually like to be on this side of things. No, it's, it's good. It's good. It's, it's, it's nice to be able to be here and to kind of give an insight into the lab and what we do. So. Amazing. Amazing. So first off, let's get to know you a little bit. Where are you from? So I'm I'm Irish. I'm from Wicklow. I grew up in Wicklow um, outside in Roundwood. Um, so yeah, I grew up in Wicklow, school in Dublin and generally been in Ireland my entire life. Um, so I went to college in UCD, studied pharmacology and then did my PhD uh, in Trinity College. And growing up, did you have any idea that you'd end up in this world? No, I guess growing up, you don't really, you know, science would be kind of like I loved messing about very much a tomboy, you know, very into sports and act, physical activity. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked kind of, you know, being, I guess, hands on stuff, I guess, yeah. I'd say from that point of view. But I didn't really know what careers were Were available. you the kind of kid who was blowing things up? Um, <laughs> not to crazy that extent, science experiments <laughs> no no not not particularly science but definitely messing outside yeah or, you know following my dad around the place mm-hmm. you know whatever he was doing I was doing um so yeah no I no, nothing science like science got introduced to us in, in secondary school so from straight away loved it from the beginning so um yeah so from early on I kind of knew I liked science I think I liked the the kind of methodical way that things are done and then obviously it's very well from my own perspective things are very exciting yeah you know you have an aim or what you're going to do and what happens it was just a whole new world so so you did pharmacology first pharmacology first as an as an undergraduate degree okay um and then after that obviously you know you know you have your basic science degree so I decided to do a PhD in genetics so I moved over to Trinity College and at that point did you know that you were going to go into embryology no 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 okay no. I mean you know you don't really know all these fields exist you know um so I guess it depends on yeah like science is very general and it's very broad mm-hmm. incredibly broad so you're trying to kind of find your way so by going in through genetics even when I finished my PhD and I was doing postdoctoral research and at that point it was lot in to kind of stem cells and kind of culturing cells um which you could equate in some way to embryology sure. as yep. in the methods aren't vastly dissimilar uh-huh. um but yeah it was it wasn't embryology but um yeah after that then I kind of just felt like you know I guess you get to reach a crossroads you know you stay in research yeah. and, and stay in kind of the universities um but I felt I kind of wanted to get closer to patients kind of close to the clinical side of things and yeah. feel like I wanted to as much as basic research you're making an impact to patients it's it's kind of hard to feel that back so mm-hmm. I kind of felt like I wanted to be kind of slightly closer to kind yeah. of feel that clinical side so how did you find your way yeah. into embryology bit, then? Bit, bit bizarre um in that I was looking at the clinical scientist route so Ireland's a little bit uh 
it doesn't have a clinical scientist pathway like the way the UK would, mm. um, but there is a role called like a clinical embryologist. So in the UK, that's well defined. Um, so I was kind of looking at the UK actually and looking at positions in Scotland and other places and interviewed for those. And then it just so happened on the FORCE website one day, yeah. uh, an ad came up for a trainee embryologist in Dublin. Really? So, on, yeah. on FORCE website? Yeah, I literally. Would, just wouldn't have thought that. Just wouldn't have yeah. thought it. And it wouldn't necessarily, like, you know, obviously there's lots of job yeah, websites yeah. and stuff at the time. But yeah, just popped up and I was like, got to go for it. So obviously I went for it and felt so privileged to actually mm-hmm. get the job. And I still remember where I was when I got the phone call <laughs> and, you know, all the rest. So yeah. Didn't, so how long didn't ago was back. that? So that was a kind of mid-2010, okay. I would say. Yeah. And you've been working in this field ever since? In the field ever since, yeah. So lots of tra- like skills that relate from, you know, like science is science, you know, on a broad scale of things. Obviously, I had a lot to learn yeah. uh, from the practical side. And then it's a different field, theoretically, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lots to learn. And it is very much like, nearly like an apprenticeship in some ways, in that you learn all your practical skills by on doing. the job. Yeah. yeah, by doing. That's the only real way and to, I believe that's kind of what some of the embryologists in therapy are doing at the moment yeah yeah and it, it is it is something we like to nurture you know yeah. you need to there's not many homegrown Irish embryologists mm. so it obviously it's it's great to be able to kind of have been through the process and then train embryologists up so yeah we we do have um a trainee embryologist yeah um but we're always learning anyway and we're always looking at things to change and improve so yeah there's a lot of learning that goes on in the lab a lot of training and I believe it's quite a small number of people who actually work in this field because I remember saying this to you before and you told me like a number and I was like what is that all like I just kind of had a picture that there would be like thousands of embryologists in the country but that's not the case no no it's not like I mean you know, I guess when you think of how many fertility clinics there are, there's quite a good number of them in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're scattered outside of that, like, you know, two in Cork, one in Galway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, within each lab, you're having, you know, somewhere between generally five to kind of ten staff. Yeah. So it, it doesn't add up to, to a lot of embryologists. And a lot of those are from outside of Ireland, you yeah. know, when we're looking for expertise. Yeah. Um, as I said, because we don't have a pathway to train up, per se, it's a lot of on the job. So, yeah, no, it's a privilege to be able to train um, and mentor uh, our trainee embryologist uh, in therapy um, and to kind of show them. And there's there's so much to learn. It's not just the practical side of things. There's a lot of uh, quality management side of things and just making sure our standards are really high. Well, it's such a cool um, space to visit. I've been in the lab. <laughs> I've been in the lab a few times and I it's just so amazing to see all the things you do and there's such a nice kind of environment like it's it's real like there's a real sense of family in there yeah it is like I mean if anyone is does come into therapy fertility and you know feel free to come come down the corridor and have a look in peek your head through we (laughs) we have we have a window a glass window that you can look in um but um yeah I mean it's a room and for the most part we when we go in we're we're in there for the day obviously we come out for lunch and go back in so yeah it, it does feel like a family of course it does um and it's very uh, interactive and it's a lot of hands-on work so you're you're at one hood and you're working you know away and there's a lot of communication between each other as to have you done this or where are you with that and you know it's very much a team effort so yeah like the team is just paramount in, yeah. in the lab yeah so communication has to has to work really well yeah okay so let's talk about all the things you do in the lab because um, I know a lot of people kind of don't really understand what happens in the lab. Um, I think most people understand that like the success of a fertility clinic is largely down mm. to the lab. 
but they don't really see it. You know, they see the nurses, they see the doctors, mm. they don't really see the embryologists. So they don't necessarily no. know what, what is actually going on. No. So the kind of like the three main things you're dealing with in the lab are essentially sperm, eggs and embryos. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So anything to do with sperm, eggs, embryos. Yeah. So uh, so what are what are those different things? So, <laughs> yeah, like so it's it's, a, it's an array of things. Um, I guess, uh, you know, the most part people think of IVF. They think of a, a full what we would call a cycle of IVF, which does involve collecting eggs then taking the sperm sample, preparing the sperm, and then we create embryos. Like in the, you know, a broad scale of things, that's mm-hmm. the thing we do most often. Um, but obviously there's other procedures, um, then like an IUI, which is where we prepare sperm, and then that sperm is inseminated back into the female. Uh, we do egg freezing, which is collecting eggs, freezing them and putting them to storage for long-term storage. And as well, we also freeze sperm for, for males that want to preserve their fertility too. Um, um and then we you know it's kind of similar we've frozen embryo transfers is what we term them so um that's another kind of cycle that we would do where we thaw an embryo for transfer so these are embryos that are created on a previous cycle um and the patient is returning to have an embryo transferred back um yeah so so it's kind of like a whole array of things and all these things tend to happen you know in synchrony and together and we we know what we're doing and they're scheduled in together so at any one if you took a snapshot in time in the lab there's a lot of things going on you could have eggs being collected uh eggs being prepared for ICSI we call it stripping or denudation um then you might also at this you know have fertilization checks that same day for the egg collection that happened the day before um we're talking you know, communicating with patients, updating them their results. And then we're also checking grades of embryos and transferring back uh, embryos of good quality. But also we have surplus embryos then that we need to freeze and put into storage for patients. So, so there could be just so many different things going on. In- uh, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Like, you know, when eggs come in to the lab a few minutes later, we'll also get a sperm sample into the lab for that for that couple. Or we're thawing sperm, maybe donor sperm for mm-hmm. that, that couple that patient as well um so yeah so there's a lot of things going on and they all have to time up and I guess what people don't see is how carefully carefully orchestrated it is that there's times it is you like you have a giant like um flat screen <laughs> up on the wall we with do. everybody's like what's happening we have Who's like doing a display it? Yeah. yeah it's like being in the airport nearly you have a display of of all the people of it's great though because through. it's like a really well-oiled machine it's really well-oiled yeah, yeah. and it has to be like that um, yeah because everything is so time sensitive it is I so, actually didn't really realize how time sensitive some of the things I was watching one one of your team um doing an egg freezing yeah. the other day yeah. and watching them prepare the eggs for freezing mm. and literally they have the timers oh, yeah. <laughs> all of the different kind of cultures they're putting them in and moving yeah. them around and it's literally down to the second it's very precise yeah so you know egg freezing um an embryo freezing is very critical on times and you've you could have two timers out and you set your timer for four minutes and you'll have you know a number of things kind of uh, at the same time, you're moving eggs into really small droplets, you know, so you're talking like, you know, say 50 microliters. So it's a very small droplet for four minutes or whatever. And then you're moving them around. Um, so, yeah, so it's it is very precise. You've lots of timers beeping and you cannot be distracted. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of focus um, very diligent. It's really precise work when you think the size of an egg, you know, so an egg is like 100 and 20 say microliters so it is or my micron sorry um so it is the the biggest cell in the body but it it's 
like, still tiny. It is super tiny. Like it's kind of like the width of a hair, if you mm. if you want. Like, but um, it is super tiny. So it's very precise work with really fine um, pipettes that we use to to be able to move eggs around and embryos around. Um, so yeah, and and with all that, you know, this traceability, we have to be really clear and witness a lot of our procedures and make sure that we're performing them to our what protocols. does witness mean yeah so witnessing like that you know all the procedures we explain in the lab they're happening um but at the same time there's a lot of checks so the lab is checking all the time so every single dish in the lab will have a label on it with all of your identifiers your first name surname chart number and date of birth um, every tube will have the same. So anytime there's eggs or embryos or, or, or sperm in the tube, it'll have all the details. And anytime we need to move those um, eggs or embryos from one dish to another or inseminate with sperm, it involves a witness step. So what that means is that we have to call a second person. Mm-hmm. So we literally say, can I have a witness? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've literally, I've heard it so many times that it sounds like, can I have a witness? witness? <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of shouting in the lab going, witness, can I have a witness? But that's literally what you do. So you say, can I have a witness? And whoever's not like busy at that moment in time will come and you you have to get that witness so the witness will arrive and it just involves a calling out and calling back of the details that you can see on your stage so you call out all the details that are there and the witness then reads from the paperwork or from the electronic record Mm -hmm. that we have um and then reads back and we just confirm it's the same person um but of course we have an electronic system as well which is fantastic uh, called ori witness we have a, a safety net as well on top of that so there's a lot of checks going on which take does take time um Mm -hmm. and it does take there's lots of signatures written down and and all the rest so it's it is very precise and very controlled i suppose that just makes sure that it like triple makes sure that no mistakes are made oh absolutely and it has to be like that that's that's the way it has to be i know because i know sometimes people are, are like how are you sure they used my eggs or how are you sure oh. they used them? you know you know what I mean yeah yeah well, we we would have an entire record of yeah. how we are sure yeah. yeah so um everything is is traceable yeah um and everything is controlled and there's witness points for for everything yeah and it's so important when you're oh it is talking about yeah and it's not really something that maybe people want you know patients really want to overly think about as well like yeah. I understand that might you know be something that you kind of you know, but it, it should be a reassuring thing to know that of all the steps that we have in place. Um, and Ireland's quite high, like tightly regulated, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Um, so all the labs in Ireland would be very much very similar in, yeah. in that way. So it is a very tightly regulated thing. And it has to be. It okay. has to be. Yeah. Um, let's talk about sperm for a minute, because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of times people forget about the sperm and we talk about eggs so much and embryos. Um, yeah. What do you do when it comes to sperm in the lab? I know like someone would come in and produce a mm. um, a sample and pass it through the hatch. Yeah. What happens then yeah, when, so, when you take that into the lab? Yeah, so it, it depends. Like sometimes we have a, a male patient coming for a semen analysis mm-hmm. um, and then there's another time a male patient might come for an IUI mm-hmm. or uh, an IVF for ICSI cycle. Mm-hmm. So for a semen analysis, we're just looking at a lot of parameters. We're just looking at the sample. It doesn't have an, you know, at the end of that process, the sample is, is discarded and it's purely just to look at the count, the motility. Like an investigation. Yeah. yeah, it's like kind of getting your bloods 
done yeah, and you're just you're having a look results. and you'll get some information about it yeah and very much on the quantity so semen analysis looks a lot of quantity of sperm so how many what percentage are moving how fast are they moving mm-hmm. are they progressing kind of quickly or kind of going around in circles a little bit or might be sitting on the spot and not moving so you're, you're kind of trying to classify the sperm into different categories um and we have the who um the semen analysis kind of manual which kind of gives you the the normal kind of ranges yeah Yeah. parameters so it kind of just goes like that so anyone who's attended for a semen analysis will be very familiar with with how that kind of report comes out basically we're just trying to identify if you have a normal semen sample and therefore your sample suitable for an IUI or an IVF for the most part um or if there's anything if if we have a low count low motility we might recommend uh ICSI um for you in that situation um there's another test we might do on the day called dna fragmentation which kind of looks at more the quality of the sperm um and it's it's not recommend it's not generally for everyone um because it costs an extra bit of money but it is it's a good test to perform um and that's really looking at double double and single stranded breaks in the dna so when you think of a sperm you think of you know it's got a little head and a a mid piece Mm -hmm. and a long tail so the the dna is stored in the little head Okay. So it's the DNA fragmentation test is just looking for double and single stranded breaks. Um, and someone maybe with a high DNA frag might be, you know, there's kind of like a link with, uh, you know, uh, less likely to result in a live birth, you know, if you have a high DNA yeah, frag. Yeah, so maybe if someone's come in and there, there's been reoccurring miscarriages, miscarriages or yeah. they have maybe some health condition. Yeah. That- maybe yeah. exactly and in those cases it's it's good to know you know it's good to, the information's everything so mm-hmm. when you have that information there's certain lifestyle changes you can do to try reduce the dna frag now it takes about three months to produce sperm so you know it could take three months of good lifestyle habits <laughs> to see an effect <laughs> yeah. um and if you have the time to do that that's obviously recommended um but it, you know there are alternative options for example ICSI could be recommended for someone with a high so that's frag. literally just taking a single sperm and injecting yeah it. yeah so ICSI is another way of inseminating eggs where we will inject a single sperm into each egg uh, as opposed to IVF where we put the eggs are in a, in a dish and the sperm is added in and they kind of find their own way in, for mm-hmm. want of a better word. Yeah, so is ICSI normally used when when there is a, an issue? A male with, factor, yeah. yeah. So if there's kind of a male factor, we'll do ICSI or if we've had, you know, p- potentially a reduced uh, fertilization maybe in a previous cycle, mm-hmm. we might recommend ICSI. Um, but, but generally it's the doctor um, looking at all of their history. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot more to it than just the semen analysis. Sure. Yeah. So when it comes to sperm, how mm. important is it in the, you know, end result? You know, is the egg the most important thing? Is the sperm the most important thing? Or are they equally as important? Like, so if someone comes in and they have like a, let's say, poor semen analysis yeah. result, um, is it still possible that they could produce really healthy embryos and in turn you know a successful pregnancy yeah like I mean the main kind of thing we're trying to look at when we look at like a semen semen like the sperm sample the quality of the sperm sample is as important as the the eggs for sure um it's harder to see egg quality for mm. you know you really need to kind of create embryos and see how they progress to kind of really know an egg it's hard to assess the quality of an egg by looking at it mm-hmm. um whereas sperm we kind of we we have our 
criteria and we can say the likelihood of those sperm being able to fertilize those eggs, which is why we decide ICSI or IVF. Um, so they're both, you know, as important as each other. And for, for people that are experiencing fertility issues, you know, there might be, you know, a third is kind of egg factor related. A third of patients might be, you know, sperm or male factor. And then sometimes, you know, there's a third that are just joint combined factor. You know, so obviously it's it's super important. Um, and I guess we tend to focus a lot on the female. So sometimes maybe it's something we take on ourselves and we always kind of own it. Uh, whereas obviously there's two parties in it. Um, and I guess the testing and everything for sperm hasn't maybe progressed maybe as, uh, you know, too much over the last few few years. And ICSI is the kind of main way to, to treat a lot of male factor issues. Um, which, as I said, is injecting a sperm into an egg, and that can overcome a lot. Yeah. But no doubt, lifestyle and changes and are, are just as important. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the embryoscope because okay. that's one of the coolest <laughs> bits of um, kit. A kit that you have in the lab. <laughs> it's one of the most expensive as well. <laughs> it is. So, <laughs> how much are they? Oh, like, like over a hundred thousand. So you're yeah. over one hundred twenty thousand. They yeah. are expensive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mean, they they are very reliable. They're very stable, and they they're just yeah, they're they're amazing uh, pieces of equipment, you know. So, so you're well, you don't own them personally, but no, you no, no. you oversee two of them. <laughs> we now. oversee two of them, yeah. and they're they're safely positioned in the lab. Um, yeah, they're fantastic. They. They what the, what they are able to do is provide uninterrupted culture for the embryos that we create. So when we we do have eggs collected and we do inseminate them with sperm, and we those embryos are placed into the embryoscope incubator in a special dish that holds up to say sixteen eggs or 16 embryos um, and what it allows us to do it's uninterrupted normally traditional embryology you'd have to remove embryos from an incubator to have a look on the microscope and then put them back every time we remove embryos from their their environment so they, they want a really specific ph mm-hmm. they want a really nice temperature they want to be kept kind of cozy and um, if we remove them to have a look at them on a microscope the pH will change for a little bit mm-hmm. and you know obviously this this is things that happens in embryology but we try to minimize the amount of time embryos or eggs or anything are out of an incubator so the embryoscope allows us uninterrupted culture because it has a camera so the camera is able to take a picture of every embryo uh, in every position over a period you know incubation of six six days so you end up with a video and we can assess the embryos by looking at the computer uh, and we can see the images and the development of the embryos over time so it's 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 so cool like to be able to see it is the an coolest embryo. thing we have yeah. um we have videos of our do you our, our kids yeah no way. <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> yeah as little time lapse oh wow <laughs> it's very cool that is yeah. cool yeah yeah because yeah obviously that that is amazing yeah so it's like we we create these but we don't necessarily know which ones will form the babies obviously yeah. we find all that out later but I think it is fantastic like to be able to kind of see the images so we'll you know send um you know you can see the images and like that videos are available for for patients if they if they request them yeah. um they'll be able to we'll be able to send a video to them but it's fantastic like it it but it, for us it's it's not about by that of course it's about being able to see the chain how they divide so an embryo starts off as one cell then it'll split to two and then three four and it continues to divide but that gives us so much information and a lot more information than we'll be able to see if we took static like yeah, snapshots in time yeah if you only saw them once a day once a yeah. day or, or you know or you minimize it so you might not see them on day two mm. because you don't want to interrupt their culture mm-hmm. whereas in this case we can see them the whole way through yeah so does that help in terms of embryo grading it does yeah it, it helps a lot it helps to be able to select the best 
I mean, you know, sometimes you might have, you know, two or three good quality blastocysts, but it's able to differentiate between those and pick the embryo that you feel would have the best chance of forming a pregnancy. Yeah. So that embryo is transferred back first. Yeah, yeah. So it's Just, on selection. I'm sure most people listening to this know what a blastocyst okay. is, but for anyone who doesn't, I know. It's, what is it? So a blastocyst is, is a stage development of an embryo. So an embryo starts off as one cell, which is the egg, and it's fertilized. You can see two little dots in the middle, which is DNA from mum and dad. As I was saying, that divides over time, but it undergoes a lot of change. It might get to like an eight cell, 10 cell, day three, day four. But when it gets to day four, all the cells connect. And day five, it just completely transforms <laughs> there's no yeah. other way you kind of nearly need to search blastocyst for me to yeah anyone listening to, to see this it. <laughs> search a picture and, and see it um, yeah, it's really cool and it completely transforms and it starts to kind of we, explodes yeah it? kind of <laughs> transforms and cavitates so you start to see a, a, a fluid filled center in the middle and it literally grows and starts to push out on the the little kind of jelly-like shell that's around an embryo and starts to push out and at that point you see a differentiation of two cell types the little bundle of cells that goes to form the fetus and then all of the other cells that kind of make that ball-like structure that help with implantation, make the placenta and that type of stuff. So when we talk about a blastocyst, that's where we want to be. We want to get to the blastocyst stage for a day five transfer. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> okay, so in terms of embryo grading, what what phrases or terms do you use to describe... Yeah. Blast. <laughs> yeah, the best. <laughs> so we, What is the best? Yeah, so uh, like grading people get really hung up on yeah um the lab's job is to decide what is a good quality embryo what's a good quality blastocyst and an embryo that's suitable for transfer or for freeze and those are the ones that have a chance of forming a pregnancy so it can it is subjective okay um and when we grade embryos they're graded in alphanumeric so it has you'll see three digits and you know the first one is one to six that just describes the expansion and then after that the second is an a b or c and the third digit is an A, B, or C. So we grade the embryo, the quality, very much in A, B, C. Mm-hmm. And anything with an A or B quality um, is good quality and it's suitable for transfer or freeze. So, you know, it's again, it's something that's quite hard to explain. Uh, but it, it depends how many cells, say, for example, make up the, the two types of cells that form a blastocyst. Um, are they nice and compact? Is it nice and clear? You know. Uh, is it you know there's a, there's lots of kind of but it is subjective and it's so it's subjective but also so like is, is it kind of both up to the embryologist who's who's grading this embryo and like in conjunction with the embryo scope because like yeah so yeah. You, the the embryo scope will also give a score mm. so the embryo scope's looking at timings uh like at what time did it go from you know a, a one cell to a two cell or two so there's a lot of timings and they have a score as well that helps that guides us and how often do the scores with the embryoscope link up to what they, the, they do yeah. yeah so generally we're choosing first with morphology so we're choosing based on the appearance of the embryo first mm-hmm. of all and the score would only be to kind of if you wanted to distinguish between two really good quality embryos just you, to choose which one you yeah, use you, first exactly so if you had an aa quality two AA quality embryos you you start going back looking at to the video see the ti- like the time yeah. stamps on yeah when and you, don't, you yeah. don't just trust the score but you go back and look at the video see how they divided there's lots of sometimes divisions that don't occur as you expect mm-hmm. um you know you could have a one cell embryo split immediately into three cells that yeah, wouldn't yeah. be what we'd expect um so you kind of look back at the video and see which follow the most normal pattern of development and that's when you have like a few to choose from that's when you, yeah yeah but like you know in general if it's made a good quality embryo 
uh, a blastocyst, it, that'll, it's, that's trying to select between them as mm-hmm. to which one to transfer back first. Yeah. yeah. You know, a good quality blastocyst has the, you know, potential to form yeah. a pregnancy. It's just the selection of which to put back first. Just fascinating, isn't yeah. it? I yeah. just, it's such a cool, like, field to work in because it's so, like, yeah, it's it's all science. But it's it also like the end result is hopefully oh, a is. person. I think, well, this, <laughs> you know? this is it. Like the lab is, you know, you're in your own little space. We're, we're a little bit disconnected mm-hmm. from, you know, the patients as such. We'll see them at egg collection, at transfer. We'll communicate with them on the portal, you know, or the odd phone call. But, you know, we we're very much kind of at the the kind of non-personal side of it with the embryos so when we hear the stories coming back from patients and you know little messages or reviews left like you know it lifts the entire lab of the entire clinic actually yeah. um so it's lovely to kind of hear that stuff back and kind of reminds us of what we're we're dealing with you know because yeah, yeah. you know uh yeah it's a fascinating field um and it's such a pleasure and privilege to be able to kind of help help people on their journey yeah. um to get there and hopefully support them through it and kind of yeah like it is amazing it, it is I've I've heard before the phrase that the embryologist is your baby's first babysitter <laughs> yeah and it is like yeah. technically you know like as you're saying your kids you have the video of them uh, on the embryo script of them developing um so at the time the embryologist has just seen the embryos that think of the you know so to be able to kind of put that with the child I find just fascinating to go oh my god that was that was you or yeah that's, and I was watching you yeah. for five days yeah, yeah yeah because at that moment in time we're not seeing it like that because we see it as potential yeah we don't because most don't of the know. embryos won't result in, yeah we, in babies we, but we don't know but when if, if someone comes back or they show us a scan and they're like oh yeah I'm you know 11 weeks pregnant and we're like that was the embryo you know it's fascinating like yeah. it just yeah it's so rewarding um to know that you're making a difference and it's just magical really like yeah. you know it's 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 amazing you know that it you kind of have to remind yourself like sometimes of you know you're just you're so process driven and everything's just going to a timeline but like you're making such an impact yeah yeah science love and magic (laughs) (laughs) absolutely (laughs) okay so just to finish up I have a couple of questions for you and you've actually already answered some of them the first one was how small is the human egg Hmm. and you and you talked about that but talk about that in relation to the sperm, because I just find so, that fascinating. So a sperm is about 20 times smaller. So a sperm would, so an egg is say 100 to 120 microns, um, which is hard for people, <laughs> people to be able to see. So you could say you could see an egg with the naked eye. In reality, you'd have a hard enough time, okay? <laughs> but it's about the width of a hair. Um, then say a skin cell would be four times smaller than an egg and a sperm would be 20 times smaller so a sperm would a sperm cell would be like 0.005 and would that be one of the smallest cells yes in the human body body. yeah and the egg would be one of the biggest yeah so when you when you see when you see like you know it's quite funny you well, see like the funny. giant egg and it, then like it is exactly like that <laughs> so you see, when, you, when you're looking at fur checks for IVF so at that point we've inseminated an egg we've got a, di- a dish with a number of eggs and we put sperm in and you're checking them the next day and it is like sperm are like kind of glittery in the 
in the media, you know, yeah. in the in the, the liquid that they're in. You yeah, kind yeah. of see them shimmering. Um, but then they get to the egg and you can see the egg and you can see like a number of sperm have kind of buried in. So yeah. they've, they've kind of put their head and they've kind of buried in. And the sp- sometimes the egg is moving because the, 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 all the <laughs> sperm so are trying to fight in. Yeah, but they're so tiny. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're so tiny. It's hard to explain. Um, but yeah, they really are so small. Yeah. Um, okay, so does the grading of the embryos really affect the outcome of the transfer and you know a potential pregnancy or is it possible to get pregnant and have a healthy baby with what may be classed as you know a poorer lower grade yeah lower grade yeah yeah absolutely look so so you can have embryos that don't look as um pretty for one Mm -hmm. you know so you've just got amazing beautiful blastocysts and you transfer that back and that's definitely going to result in a pregnancy and it it may of course or it might you know you might be surprised when it didn't yeah and then you might have an embryo that's um like a what we call a bb grade so that's kind of on the the lower end Mm -hmm. still a good quality blastocyst and you know off they go and form a positive pregnancy so like you know there might be a slightly higher chance with an aa grade over an ab or a bb but it is like splitting hairs to yeah, be honest so, yeah so it i would not get hung up on grading it is subjective um we all know what a good quality blastus looks like um and those are the embryos that are are transferred and, and frozen yeah because so i know people just, do get hung up on it and yeah and the, yeah like the reality is the clinic is not going to transfer something that you know you don't has, believe has no you know no chance. and and generally speaking when we have a poor quality embryo with cc um yeah like it's very obvious that it's a poor quality either it might not have an inner cell mass it might mm-hmm. be missing some part or really few cells um around the outside so it it just doesn't have a chance or it might be degenerating or you know we yeah well if <laughs> you know it's very clear um relative you know speaking what what is a poor quality embryo yeah. unfortunately so in general people don't need to get too hung i up wouldn't on. get hung up yeah. there is um if you are one of our patients on the portal there's a, a resource area and we have a bit of a, a document there about grading so you can see just explaining it it explains detail. run through the whole mm-hmm. detail of, of the grading scheme so he's a gardener grading scheme so there's lots more detail there um if you if you'd like to look it up yeah, yeah. great okay do you ever see twin pregnancies resulting from a single embryo or how likely is that for one embryo to split it, it does happen mm. um but it's the rarest type of twin pre- mm. you know most twin pregnancies are when two embryos are put back so so to get one embryo put back and splitting it's not something you i mean it's possible to see that in the lab mm. if you had one blast assist and you saw two inner cell masses mm-hmm. on the one blast it's not something I can say I've ever seen <laughs> but it does some embryologists I've seen have reported that and they you know but in generally speaking the risk of having a twin pregnancy where one embryo splits is as you know what what it's like in the normal population so yeah. it's unlikely to happen Um, it's the when we transfer two embryos back of course your multiple pregnancy rate increases I do know two separate families yeah who transferred two and ended up with three <laughs> <laughs> these things happen you're cringing you're yeah. like no uh yeah i am because i'm a mum of twins so the oh, idea i didn't realize yeah, you had twins yeah i do so the idea of having three would freak me out but was no. that a naturally occurring yeah twin yeah. pregnancy yeah does it run in the family um oh, everyone always asks me that and it's like no no not really <laughs> that's like people asking me when i say i'm diabetic asking me does it run in the family i'm like 
No. <laughs> Not really. Like, I go, oh, this one, you know, yeah. obviously there's history of twins. Yeah. But it wasn't like my mum yeah. had twins or my, my granny had twins. Sure. It's not in the maternal line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, the idea of being pregnant with twi- triplets now freak, <laughs> freak me out. Fair. <laughs> um, okay. Very last question I have for you yeah. is, what is your favorite thing about your job? <laughs> not That's to put you on this very broad um if what? there's one thing that just makes you really happy about what you do what uh, is it well ob- you know obviously it's the bigger picture and it's knowing that all this meticulous work that we do and the running of the lab and cleaning the lab and everything being like clockwork in the lab obviously that makes me happy and that's what we look at every day but like on the broad scale of things it's our results it's seeing our patients leave happy whatever their outcome is um but obviously you know seeing people's you know getting pregnant and getting those amazing results um is fantastic yeah so it, it has to be obviously you know the the outcome for our patients yeah. um and trying to help them along their journey and make it as stress-free as possible and hopefully with that you know positive outcome amazing well lovely to chat to you i could talk about the lab all day i love okay. it it's one of my favorite places in the clinic well, so you're, yeah you're welcome anytime <laughs> thank you not at all thank you we hope you've enjoyed this episode of fertility talks the therapy fertility podcast if you have please rate review and subscribe for more information on the services we offer you can visit www.therapyfertility.com 